I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey guys, it's Malls. Thanks so much for listening to Please Advise. Just a quick message before the show. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. It's super helpful for us and super helpful for you. You can also call 323-450-7408 to get your calls on the show. Again, 323-450-7408. Or email askpleaseadvise at gmail.com with your voice notes or emails. Thanks so much. Hey, sexy babies. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I went to see Paul Simon last night at the Hollywood Bowl, and it was a real full circle moment for me. I saw Paul Simon for the first time on the Graceland tour at Great Woods for all you Massachusetts people out there. I think you know what I'm talking about. Great Woods. It later got changed to the Tweeter Center. I have no idea what it's called now. It's probably called something very lame. But um, yeah, I saw him on the Graceland tour when I was two years old with my mom and her then boyfriend, Sam, who I loved. I, I think I have very positive memories of Sam. I was so young, though. And one of my first memories is being at the Graceland show with my mom and Sam. They got me the tickets because they knew I was obsessed with that album. I used to sing it in the car. It was like my thing. So yeah, like one of my first memories is being on Sam's shoulders during Call Me Al, just like jamming out. Uh, I bit my tongue while I was on his shoulders. I don't know why I remember that so well. But um, yeah, it was like amazing to see him at the Hollywood Bowl, which is one of like the most special venues if you're not from L.A., if you don't live in L.A. Um, If you ever have the chance to go, I always say, even if you're just coming out here for a vacation, check out what's going on at the Hollywood Bowl if you're here during bowl season because it's just so magical to like be in this like 
you know, outdoor space where sometimes you can bring your own cheese and wine or whatever. You can bring your own snacks. But um, when it's a non-leased event or when it's a leased event like last night was, you could still buy like really nice wines and cheeses in their wine shop. And um, yeah, I... I full circle 32 years after the first time I saw him, I got to see him on his farewell tour, which I was saying last night, I feel like he's kind of a Michael Jordan and this won't really be a farewell tour. He's still young enough, still married to Edie Brickell, by the way. Love that. Um, it was just magical. And I would not trade that experience for the world. Plus they had great merch. Like, he did a good job of honoring all of his previous albums. I was able to get like the softest Graceland t-shirt of all time. I have a feeling that I'm going to wear that shit into the ground over the next few months. I love it. I'm so excited. Uh, but anyway, Christina's back home in New York visiting her family, which I love. Hi, shout out to the Lopez family. One of the best families out there. Wish they were mine. Feel like they kind of are. I tried to marry into the family, but Christina's boyfriend was, I mean, her brother was our already taken so he couldn't be my boyfriend sad I'm trying to get godmother for her nieces I have a feeling they won't ever choose me but doesn't mean I shouldn't try um and so because Christina's gone I'm doing another long letters episode sometimes y'all write really fucking long letters and I who is not good at reading out loud I'm going to read those long letters to you. These are the lengthy ones. These are the ones we usually save for an episode like this. I'm sorry again that I'm hosting this by myself. I know if you're like a regular Please Advise listener, this might be a little bit jarring for you. We do do this from time to time. So there are other examples of me hosting this show by myself. And we didn't even have guests for our first like four episodes, I don't think, which probably was a mistake looking back. But God, life is about learning and we sure have. So I'm going to read these long letters to you. We will be back to our regular scheduled programming. I think next week we're recording with my friend Jenna, aka Holler at Me. If you have the internet, I have a feeling you know Holler at Me. For some reason, she makes the world like minuscule for me because she seems to know everybody and she doesn't even live here. Like, she's not someone that I wrote into, but everyone knows Holler at me. I've seen her in Chicago. We met up in Chicago. We met up for New Year's Eve for the Britney Spears concert. So call for Jenna. I'm still booking our other guests, so I don't know who that is yet. But um, 323-450-7408. Get your calls in. Help us out. Leave us those messages. You guys sometimes, like, will come into my DMs and um, on the Facebook group or whatever else. I realize sometimes people feel like they need an immediate answer. But... Because we are recording so close to when you are hearing this, you will get a fast answer if you call this week. 323-450-7408. Share with Please Advise Nation. I won't necessarily get back to you if you're in the DMs, but I will get back to you on this show. So, because I'm alone, as I said, and as you know, I am going to just get right into the long letters because I could make myself crazy trying to just talk about shit for 45 minutes or for an average intro length. So yeah, let's do these letters, baby. Okay, so letter one is not that long, but I do want to point out, you guys, Christina spells her name with a K. I didn't realize how many of you were sending Christina's with a CH, um, but that's not my Christina. So it says, here we go, Malls, Christina, and guest. Just You just only get one. My best friend of 20 years is in a highly toxic and codependent relationship. I actively stay away from their drama, but now she's pregnant. 
After dating just under a year, this is her second pregnancy with this man. He has used her previous abortion as emotional blackmail, thrown her six-year-old child in her face, i.e., so you had her with him but wouldn't have my baby? This time around, he's apparently threatening her life if she doesn't have an abortion. She's all in. Other things on the table are being financially strapped due to a past custody battle and completely unable or unwilling to be single and self-efficient as long as I've known her. We are 35 if that matters. I'm also completely sick about the state of America and the world in general, and I'm having trouble being excited about anyone bringing a child into this mess, regardless of the situation. Y'all, my heart hurts over this. How do I resolve my pro-choice politics and be a good friend when in reality I'm staunchly anti-kid in this situation? Please advise. Okay, so thank you for writing in with this. You know, I am also the same way about bringing a child into this world. Like, it's just hard for me to imagine under any circumstances me personally bringing a child into this world. However, I will say that my Instagram is completely overwhelmed with pretty much everyone I know having a baby in the last two years. Um, Not everyone, but a a fair share. And a lot of them are people that I honestly thought never would want to be parents. I do think I've read something before about it being like statistically aligned historically. Um bad stages in our country and our world with like a baby boom with tons of people having kids and I have to say honestly I don't think that's wrong I think that a lot of people I know have been having kids over the past couple years because it's one of the few things that people can control and have happiness over pretty much no matter what else is going on in this world you know I talk a lot about how I feel very strongly about The priority of like a child and being a parent being number one. I think you have to be in a place in your life where you're going to be a good parent in order to be a parent. But I don't make the rules and I don't speak for everyone. I know there's plenty of people who feel like, you know what, you'll have the kid, you'll figure it out. Unfortunately, you can't fix this for your friend. I've had friends in the past who the last thing in life they should be doing is having a kid. Um, because of their abusive relationship, because of financial circumstances, because of a variety of reasons, they should not be having a child. Um, some people I know party too much. Some people I know who are dating people who make money, but they don't do it legally. So they don't file their taxes. Um, there's tons of different reasons why I feel like I've known people who shouldn't have kids, but it doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. So, The number one thing I think you can do is be supportive of your friend at arm's length. I've made the mistake of being overly helpful in situations where I've pitied a situation with someone being pregnant. Um, There was a friend now, I mean, I would say ex-friend. We got into a very odd fight that I did not see coming at all. Um, She just was mad at me one day. uh, And the last time we had spoken, we were fine. But... When she was pregnant, um, I found myself, you know, buying a lot of things for her and being a huge emotional support. And when she was going through postpartum depression, I sent her to my acupuncturist and paid for her first round of like Chinese herbs. And basically, I tried to be a source of support for her that her significant other should have been, but I knew was not going to be and she knew was not going to be and she was miserable Um, and I figured like, you know what, one and done, like she's going to have this kid. 
it was not an intentional pregnancy. This was not something they were going for, but he's a little blessing. And, you know, whatever they can give him, whatever I can do to help make his life a little bit easier or better, I will do, right? Well, huge mistake. Because one, not only does this person not even give a shit about me, and now I realize I kind of was like, just maybe like some sort of financial bonus for her, another person that would listen to her talk about the same shit over and over again. Um, but she went ahead and got pregnant again. And I found it to be so incredibly selfish, especially considering the year that her child had been alive before that. And throughout her entire pregnancy, she and this baby daddy were fighting like to the point that I felt like it was dangerous for her to be a pregnant woman in the house with this man. This is my, that's my opinion. And it also was my fault for trying to help, you know, people that you care about are going to make mistakes. And I know that like there have been periods of my life where I have been destructive or stupid or putting up with people or situations that reflected poorly on me and made it more difficult for my friends to hang out with me. Like let's say they didn't like someone I was dating or specifically because I was like codependent and always with this person and always putting them and their needs before anything professional personal whatever um and my good friends did stick by me through that and for that I'm very lucky but I also don't blame anyone that took a couple steps away from me at the time it kind of hurt but mostly I'll be honest with you and say that I didn't really notice um What I will say I remember is the people that actively talked shit behind my back. I remember hearing about a couple people that were supposedly my friends and supposedly very like worried about me and the situation that I was in and they turned around and would tell fucking strangers about it and I would hear from people I barely knew that oh, Molly, like, you know, so-and-so said you're in this controlling relationship or I would haphazardly, like, mention to someone, you know, just, like, fucking randomly in conversation, like, oh, my boyfriend and I got into a fight. And then they'd be like, yeah, I heard he's really controlling. And I'd be like, who'd you hear that from? And it always came back to the same groups of people. And they were vocal with me to an extent about me being in a toxic relationship or kind of putting my needs second, um, putting parts of my life on pause so that I could be more available to that person. Um, they were right about that, but it seemed like it, like it was just very hurtful. It was very, very hurtful to hear that they were, you know, painting me to be a weaker woman than I was to not have compassion or empathy with the fact that you know, we can, this could happen to any of us at any moment. Um, I know that there's plenty of people out there that would like to say like, no, not me. Like, you know, I was raised better than that. Like, but it doesn't matter if like you had a mommy and a daddy, it doesn't matter if you, you know, you grew up in an affluent area or you've worked for everything you've had in your life. Cause I've done a lot of those things too. There's been a lot of things that I've overcome in my life, yet I can still be subject to slipping into an abusive relationship or a very controlling relationship or, um, you know, just making stupid decisions. Um, you know, yeah, sure. Like there's some major things in place. Like 
you know, not always feeling like I had a mo- the most stable situation at times in my life growing up, or you know, you could say I don't have a dad around, or you could, you know, you could probably list a variety of like basic psychological reasons why your friend is in this relationship and going through it. Um, and you can judge her for that too, which I can sense you're not trying to do, and your email doesn't come off that way. Um, but I think ultimately what I'm getting at is the best thing to do when faced with a situation like this is to just take a couple steps back. Not just because there's really nothing you can do about it and it's only going to divide your friend and you in a way that could be really difficult to come back from. I mean, she is pregnant. This is a baby. Um, It's a baby she's having and you can't change that. And it's also a big deal. Um, There's something about having a child that I can't speak about personally, but that I can say I've seen in other people. Um, It's a very permanent thing to have a kid. Um, And if you kind of naysay in any way that situation now to her, she's going to have to pick her child over you. Um, and that's not, I'm sure, a situation you don't, you don't want to be in. And it seems like that wouldn't be the case. That wouldn't be what manifested as like me or the kid. But because she's already in such a fucked up situation and trying to navigate this and probably knows she's in a fucked up situation but can't really do anything about it, um, which is why she like doubles down on the codependence and stuff like that. Um, anything negative you say to her right now could be used against you. Um, and it could and would be used against you. Um, she can't unget pregnant at this point, I'm sure. Um, she wants to be with this guy. Do I think it's gonna last? No. Do you think it's gonna last? I don't think you are delusional. I think you know it's not gonna last. Um, and I think that the only way that you can be there for her is probably gonna be when this thing ends because it will end. And, you know, you can step up and be a good friend, as good of a friend as you want to be. Um, you know, it's really refreshing to see who kind of comes out of the woodwork to be a kind friend to you and to offer support when something blows up in your face like this. And, like, that's exactly the words I want to use. Like, it will blow up in her face. And she will be single with a guy that, I mean, I'm going to say he doesn't sound like a stand-up guy in any capacity. So I don't think that he is going to you know, be the easiest about paying child support or setting her up with a new place to live or really prioritizing the life of his child. Um, She has a long road ahead of her in a variety of ways. Um, And that's like assuming that he doesn't even try and go for custody and put her through all of that. Your friend, unfortunately, sounds like she makes bad decisions. And the only good thing about that is that it doesn't have to be you. And you don't have to compound any drama or any existing, you know, feelings that you have about this by trying to fix her situation or overly focus on what it means for her. That's her journey. Like, it's her journey in life. Some people, some people learn, you know, major lessons in life and like turn around because they got caught plagiarizing a paper in college. Some people turn around because they got a DUI. Some people turn around because they wake up one day and realize that their group of friends is not who they thought they were or there's a death in the family or something else. Um, For your friend, it seems like it's a little bit more of a 
permanent and severe road and that she's, you know, becoming a mother um, and is already a mother. And, you know, where's the father of that baby? And, you know, this new kid, um, it's not enviable. And there's a you know, there's compassion to be had while also reminding yourself that you can't fix it. So while she's with this guy and, you know, leaning on him, let her do that and, you know, take a few steps back. And I wouldn't broach a conversation with her about this. I wouldn't try and like let her know that you're backing away um, because it's going to seem like you're abandoning her when she's pregnant as opposed to trying to make a healthy decision for both of you, which ultimately will I think when she wakes up and realizes that her friends aren't around as much, that really does make you question what's going on. It's like they say with like alcoholics, it's like one day you woke up and like the only thing in your life was a bottle and it's because everyone else faded away. And so that's kind of the breaks of toxic behavior, right? Them's the breaks. And I think that you need to kind of remove yourself from being as involved as you are. And I think it's lovely when people write in here, you know, kind of more about their friends' problems and then how to deal with it. Or I've had people just like there was last week where someone basically was spelling out her friend's situation, trying to get me to give her friend advice when her friend didn't even care enough about herself to write in. Um, I think it's fine when people write in about that. But I also have to say, like, you know, what's going on in your life, writer, you know, listener? What's going on in your life? Um, You know, those are... Those are the real things to address is how you can better yourself, not just so that you can have a better life, but that, you know, for example, you can be a better friend on the other side of this to this girl. Um, You might also decide at some point, and I hate to say this because it sounds cold, especially because she's pregnant and you can so clearly identify what the issues are. But ultimately, you might find out that, like, it's really difficult to be a friend to someone who keeps stepping in shit and you don't necessarily want to be around that. Um, again, it sounds super cold because she's a pregnant young woman who's in an abusive situation, but it's okay. It's okay to take yourself away from that. Um, if you feel ultimately, if you spend some time on it and when you take some time away and you realize that your life feels a little bit lighter without her drama, um, because that's really what it is, is it's drama and, um, you know, you are not this child's aunt, you're not its grandma, you're not, you know, related to her directly in any way. This is a friend that you love who I'm sure when you guys first met was not making the same level of bad decisions. You don't have to, again, you don't have to tell her why. You don't have to say like, I don't get why you'd bring a child into this world right now. That's a thought for you and I. Um, that's a thought that like, you know, that's your opinion. And it's a valid opinion. I I tend to agree with you. Um, but it's not necessarily the logical conclusion for everybody. Um, and, you know, you don't need to make anything worse for her. But you also don't need to make anything better. I don't know if that makes any sense or if that's helpful at all. But I think you've got some options. I think, you know, there's the distance thing, distancing yourself a little bit. I'm not saying abandon your pregnant friend. I'm just saying, you know... Maybe make it clear by not always picking up the phone that you're not going to be the one who picks up the phone to 
kind of like talk her through this. Like you've talked through this. You know who this guy is. You know the situation she's in. She knows the situation she's in. She's been in it before. Um, So distancing yourself, cutting her out altogether eventually if you want. Or, you know, sacrificing parts of your life because it is a sacrifice um, when you have a friend who comes with so much baggage um, and, and not just baggage, but very severe baggage that at times probably seems very selfish to you. Um, being a good friend in the ways that you know how without it being a detriment to you. The third option is just like, or I don't know what option it is, how many I've said so far, but the third is to just try and be a good friend without it being a detriment to you because this sort of drama is, it will wear on you, especially when there's something as serious as a child involved because it's natural for that to pull at your heartstring. And I will say that like I have known people in my life that consciously or subconsciously kind of fed off the severity of the situation that they put themselves in affecting the people around them. Um, I do find that, you know, this is a, you know, this is a big one up. Um, you know, she is not only just pregnant and going to be a single mom eventually, but it's with a real asshole. Um, and as much as you may love your friend, that is very telling behavior of something really unsettling that's going on with her. It will catch up to her. Like this isn't a DUI. This isn't a, you know, um, a fight with a friend that you're really close with and, you know, you kind of have to pick between the two or mitigate the different relationships or whatever. This is really serious. Um, and you will eventually, unless you have, are good at compartmentalizing, you will eventually get eaten alive by this. Um, the more you insert yourself and the more you even just, you know, even if you're not inserting yourself, the more you allow it to show up at your doorstep. So if you decide to stay friends with her, which I think, you know, honestly, a close friendship with someone like this, it just, it ultimately, it won't pay off. But if you decide to, you know, remain close with her and a, you know, regular thing in your life, at a certain point, you just got to be like, oh, well, you know, like, sorry to hear that. I'm sorry to hear that. And you can say it genuinely and mean it, but it doesn't have to really, you don't have to hang up the phone and think about it. You don't have to find a way that like when you hear these things, it is. It's the same shit, different day. So if you can find a way to hear these things and not let it affect you to the point that like you are, you know, writing into a podcast about it as opposed to something that's going on in your life. And I'm sure you have things in your own life that are going on. And I'm not like insulting you for writing this letter. Please write letters. But it's obviously affecting you a little bit too much if you're writing in about this because I'm sure that you've got things going on in your life and this friend has successfully made you so worried about her that your own stuff is on the side and you don't deserve that. And I feel shitty that whether she realizes it or not, she's taking you away from your life. Um, that is... It's almost like she is so upset about him and her codependence on him that because it's difficult to get a normal emotional reaction out of him, 
she's turning to other people in her life to get that emotional reaction that she can't get from him, doesn't want to get from him, or is afraid to get from him. It's basically just like kind of treating you like a boyfriend without any of the benefits. And people who do that, they're kind of off. It's just my personal experience when a friend starts to treat you the way that they should probably be treating their boyfriend or saying things to you that they should probably be telling their boyfriend. Um, it's an unhealthy dynamic. And I would like to think that during the worst of my times being in relationships that were unhealthy for me, I didn't go that far. But I also can't say confidently that I didn't because I just wasn't seeing through the haze. So because all of this, um, you know, just remember that she's obviously not in full control of her actions and therefore to take on her drama is kind of a fool's errand. And I really appreciate this letter because you're a good friend and your priorities are in the right place. Um, it's hard to worry about a kid. It is. It sucks. Um, especially if you love kids, like it just sucks to be worried about the life of one. But your friend's a big girl. She was a big enough girl to get pregnant. She was a big enough girl to get pregnant twice and now a third time. And it's just, it's a lot. So I hope that helps a little bit. There's no definitive answer. It's up to you. But call us back, 323-450-7408. I'd love to hear an update. You've got nine months to talk about it. So uh, let me know how things go, where you kind of decide to land, you know, out of the options that I've given you or the infinite options that are out in the universe. And uh, let us know how it's working for you. All right, let's go to our next letter. Okay, letter two. And I think this is going to be our final letter because one I've already answered before, but to the other one is about how to leave your therapist and frankly I'm terrible at that so uh, if you know how to leave a therapist let us know 323-450-7408 I can't even get my old therapist to stop sending her monthly newsletter that's how bad I am at that so probably shouldn't be speaking to codependents either but here we go letter Okay, so it says, hi, Malls, Christina, and guest. I'm writing to you to get some perspective on a situation with my boyfriend. We've been dating for two years, and we were friends for several years before that. Shortly before he started dating, he was laid off from his job of 12 years. He struggled to find work in the year that followed, largely because he was grieving the unexpected death of a family member, which happened around the same time. Eventually, he was able to find a temporary position, which has since ended, and now he's looking for work again. He often vents to me about how frustrating and discouraging it is to look for jobs, which I totally get because I've been there. So usually when he needs to vent, I'll mostly just listen, making sure to validate his feelings and empathize with how difficult it all is. Other than that, I don't have much practical advice or wisdom to give him, and it feels like I'm talking in circles much of the time. He called me the... He called me the other night needing to vent, and after I empathized for a while and tried to offer encouragement, he paused for a while and then said, all right, well, I've run out of things to say. Bye, before hanging up. I felt so shitty, like I couldn't be there for him when he reached out for my support. I'm not sure what to do for him. I know that he's still dealing with his entire life being shaken up by his recent family loss. And he's in therapy to help with that. Still, he's been without a job for a while now, and he's expressed to me that he's getting anxious as he's eating away at his savings. We don't live together, so our finances aren't that intertwined. But living together is a goal in the future, and the longer he goes without income, the further away that goal gets. This also really gets to him because he's not happy with his current living situation and was hoping to move by the end of the year. 
He told me that his goal is to fill out one application per day, which I don't really think is sufficient, but I didn't say that to him. Once he said, I did two applications today, so that takes care of tomorrow. I know he gets very overwhelmed and frustrated by the whole process, and after he's done with one application, he often feels spent. I'm glad that he's making the effort to fill out at least one per day, but I worry at this rate it'll be another year before he has a job. In the meantime, he's depleting his savings, and the whole process is really taking a toll on his self-esteem. I want to be helpful and encouraging, but I feel like at this point it's been so long that I'm mostly repeating myself. I can sense his frustration when he vents his feelings to me, but then it doesn't get much resolution or solace. He tells me that my pre- he tells me that my presence and support are helpful enough, but I don't feel like that's the case. I feel useless and unhelpful. And to be honest, I find myself feeling angry and resentful towards him more and more as time goes on. Is there anything more I could do for him? Please advise. Thanks, Sophia, with a big purple heart emoji after that. Sophia, let me light a cigarette for this one. Okay. So the number one thing you could do for him is maybe break up with him. And I don't mean that because he's a bad guy. I mean that because honestly, like the last thing this guy needs is a relationship right now. And I know that's probably a surprising answer, but if he's frustrated and venting to you all the time, which is not necessarily your job as a girlfriend to deal with all the time. Sure. Sometimes I totally get like someone venting about work or friends or something else that's going on. But when it's the same issue every day, what is he to expect from you? If he doesn't know the answers and you don't know the answers, which I feel like a lot of times when women vent to their boyfriends, like they know the answer. Um, They just want to talk about it. But it seems like he's looking to you for some sort of answers that honestly, like for a person who fills out one job application a day, um, isn't really fair to expect from you. I mean, the number one thing he could do, and I think that this is what you need to say, is you're not hitting your grind hard enough for someone who's been unemployed for as long as he is. And, you know, it's bothering him so much and it's eating away at his savings. I mean, it does reflect his work ethic that one application a day and he's exhausted too. And he thinks he gets to take a day off. Um, it doesn't sound like he's a good worker. He's not even good at working to get a job. So all that said, I mean, he sounds like someone that would just wind up bringing you down. And if I were you, I would frame it like, listen, like you obviously have this thing in your life that you need to take care of. And in order for us to do any of the things we dream about, like moving in together, you have to get ahead of it. And I feel like I'm a distraction to you. And yes, like, is that necessarily direct? No, it's not. It's passive aggressive even. Um, But I don't think that, I don't think that staying with him at this point is going to help him do, he needs a kick in the ass. He needs to realize like, oh, if I don't really get on this, I'm going to lose someone I care about. Or, oh, if I only fill out one job application a day, I'm playing myself. I mean, I know people that apply to like 16 jobs a day when they're unemployed. And by the way, that's normal. And they should be applying to that many jobs. Jobs exist in the world. And more than that, you know, you didn't really recommend or you didn't really, you know, share with us what his line of work is or what level he's at. But 
surely he can get a job. Um, it sounds like he's going for jobs that are maybe in a certain field or of a certain level or something he's comfortable with. But there's nothing wrong with having a job you don't love because you need the paycheck. Um, he could have sort of a layover job. And I'm not saying like, you know, and I would say like, oh, you know, you have to go work at McDonald's. But McDonald's actually pays $125,000 a year for their managers, uh, maybe a little bit more, plus health insurance. So that wouldn't be a bad job. I don't know what exactly it is he's stuck on, but I have someone in my life that has like no work experience and he's had a life riddled with issues and he thinks he's above making $12 an hour. And it's like, dude, you've never even had a real job, let alone a job that pays $12 an hour. Um, I'm sure, Sophia, that you're not 100% happy where you, you're working either or your station in life. So there's something within him, whether it's a snobbery or an entitlement or something, but there's something within him that's telling him that he could do the bare minimum and scrape by. What is he doing with his days? If he's only filling out one job application, uh, what is he doing with his days? And look, I understand depression and I understand grief and I understand losing someone and having it be horrible. But I'm the type of person that when I'm going through those things, like I know I'm going through them and I resign a little bit and I don't expect good things to be coming my way. I look at it as a time of just a low point and... With him, you know, expecting to kind of have it all with like a girlfriend who can then also answer all of his questions and his grief time and everything else. What is he doing with his days? Um, does he just wait for you to get off work after filling out his one application so that he can call you and kind of put this on you? You can't reinvent the wheel with him every day and tell him the same thing over and over again, which is it's okay. You know, when the job comes along, it'll come along. Is this guy getting like interviews for these jobs that he's applying for? Or is he not even getting to the interview stage? Because my... Because there's, he's either not shining in an interview or like my gut tells me that like he's applying for jobs that are completely outside of his reach when you can get a job doing anything. And I think that, that it would help his grief a lot if he had somewhere to be every day and something that he was accountable for. Um, you know, Christina and I used to log tapes and like it had several elements to it that were good for both of us at the time, you know, we needed the money. Um, it's very like, you know, it's grunt work as far as the production world is concerned, but it also got us out of the house for like eight hours a day. And sometimes we'd be exhausted when we came home, but that's okay. A lot of people are after work. Um, and it doesn't need to be something that, you know, I am a believer in like never stop looking for work. So even if you have a job that you like, like just be aware of the options that are available to you. Um, getting comfortable you know, in, in unemployment because you're waiting for something new or refusing to get something because like a job like that's not his dream job because something else might come along is really just dumb thinking. Like the, the odds are not on his side. Like if we were to go to Vegas, the last person I would bet on is your boyfriend because there's nothing dynamic about that situation. And you're a sweet girl, I can tell, because you your heart's in the right place. Like, you feel guilty. You feel bad. You pity him to some degree. Um, but that's also not a great partner to have. Um, it's not a good basis for a relationship to, you know, kind of have it be based in, like, yeah, I like him, but also, like, I spent a lot of time managing his pity. It's, like, 
you're better than that. Everyone's better than that. No one deserves that. Like, frankly, if I was him, I would break up with you and pull myself off the market till I figured things out. It's not fair for you to have to drag this behind you. And, you know, let me just re, you know, yeah. So before you started dating, he was unemployed. And then before you started dating, there was the death of the family member. I don't know how long necessarily you've been together. Two years. So in two years, he hasn't managed his grief or found a gig. Girl, I don't know. I'm uncomfortable with it. And, you know, it sounds like he's oddly prideful. Like he's proud about something that he shouldn't be proud about. Um, In terms of just like looking for this job, like, after two years, you have to kind of swallow your pride and say, like, I've been off the job market. Like, I have not been, like, killing it. I haven't even been getting, like, the right interviews. And if I have, I'm not shining in my interviews to get the job. A normal person would feel a sense of shame or pity or motivation based on those things. And he's not feeling those things. And that is concerning. So ultimately, as much as I hate to always come around to this point, like, dump him. Because that's the best thing you can do for someone like that. And I know you love him and you're comfortable in your two-year relationship. But if you care about him at all, you need to give him some sort of motivation to get out of this. Because the motivation that you're giving him just by being there, by being a sounding board, it's not working. And it doesn't seem like it's going to fix itself anytime soon. And you're not doing him any favors by knowing the answer, which is like, you got to hit your grind harder, babe. Like one application a day isn't enough. You said you know that and you haven't told him. Why haven't you told him? Are you afraid of losing your relationship? Because it doesn't sound like a great relationship and it doesn't sound like a stable partner. Like if this is someone you want to move in with, like that sounds like someone who's going to be okay letting you saddle up the rent like, you know, once one month because he hasn't gotten, you know, he doesn't have the cash or, you know, he's not happy at his job and he's not making enough. Um, seems like he's going to be willing to stick you with problems that frankly, like, are not your problem. You work hard. You're a good girlfriend. You've lent an ear to his shit for a long time, but you know, it's fine to take your time with grief. Grief is a process and it sucks. But everyone loses people, whether it to be to death or illness or just they're out of their life for one reason or another, separation, time, lack of connection, whatever. We're all constantly grieving in some capacity. And I'm sure this was a big death, possibly like a parent or someone that was like a parent to him. But it's no excuse. And as much as I hate this like expression, like I'm sure whoever passed away wouldn't want this for him. And he's really like resting on this grief as an excuse. And it sounds like entitlement, which is really fucking unsexy and super unattractive. So let us know what you do. 323-450-7408. Because I would love to know from you if this inspired you or pointed out anything to you that maybe you weren't thinking of previously, I think that you're going to be better off uh, without him in your life. And if he gets it together and gets a gig and, you know, is ready to win you back, I think he should do that. But the reality is, is like you are another distraction from what he needs to do, which is get a fucking job and to try at that job. 
And I'm glad he's, you know, talking to someone. And I think that's great. And I think that's super important. But merely working on your mental health, especially when you have going, you know, something going on as significant as he does, is not enough. Um, And I know that I always say, like, you know, your boyfriend should be in therapy. If you're in therapy, he should be in therapy. I think that couples need to work together on them by working on themselves. Um, But you know, I don't mean it in the sense that I'm like, well, he goes to therapy so you can excuse anything he does. It's not the case. This is not okay. I feel like you're being taken advantage of. And frankly, I don't feel like you're doing him any favors. And in that sense, he's not doing you any favors. He sees that you will take him at his bare minimum. And that's really hard to respect. So please advise nation. I love you very much. Thank you for letting me do this long letters episode with you. I do want to make sure that we are pumping out episodes as frequently as possible, even if it's not our normal combination of things. So keep sending the letters to askpleaseadvise at gmail.com. Keep sending the phone calls. We will have guests next week. But in the meantime, like if I should do another long letters, it'd be great to have your letters in the mailbox. You guys, thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe to us on iTunes if you are not already subscribed. Make sure that you're subscribed. I know a lot of people doesn't even know, don't even know what that means. Um, just go over to our main spot in the Apple Podcast Store or in anywhere you listen to podcasts and make sure you hit that subscribe button. And please, if you feel like it, leave us a five-star review. As many stars as you want, but I like the five stars. Thank you so much, you guys, and I will talk to you next week. 